It's like, no, like just be yourself. And the right person who is right for you is going to resonate with you being yourself. episode of Dear Men. I am thrilled to have my old friend Adriel here. We worked together a number of years ago and I've been wanting to do this topic for a while so I'm really happy to be doing it with someone I know and trust. Um, So Adriel is a workshop leader, a speaker, and a shame resiliency coach which we will talk about. Um, And one of his main projects has to do with the opportunity around herpes and other STIs and how that doesn't have to be a source of shame in your life, but can actually be an opportunity. So we're going to talk about all the things related to that. And um, I've been wanting to do this topic for a while because I think, I think that STIs are one of those things that can really isolate people and cause a lot of shame and tend to sort of leave people feeling a lot more alone than they did before, which never leads to good things, you know? <laughs> feeling alone is rarely, um, really a positive. So welcome to the podcast, Adriel. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's good to reconnect. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe we can start by um, just what got you into this? How did you get here? Well, um, Gosh, such a broad question. Where to dive in? I mean, I think I think I spent a lot of my life skating along the surface, um, and it can happen when life is just kind of easy and there's there's nothing really like challenging you to go deeper. So I was kind of staying on the surface of things for for as long as I could <laughs> could stand it, and then. Before even before even contracting herpes, I I was really having a hard time, like really feeling like I was myself with women, right? And it was obviously translating to me not actually feeling like I was good at quote unquote picking up women, right? And kind of shamefully enough, I got into the whole what I thought was a the, the pickup scene, like a like what I thought was a good kind of way in. And it just never felt right. It just felt like, okay, first of all, I need to shame the fact that I'm a sensitive man because I need to become this other quote unquote interesting persona or something that's, yeah, something that's going to get the women, right? And it it never felt right to me, but I I didn't have enough self-confidence to actually connect that like, wait, I can, I can do it another way. I just thought, well, this, this must be the way. Um, I reached a point in my life, I was, it was around 30 years old, and you have to forgive me, I'm not very good with my own history of like knowing exactly <laughs> what happened in my history, but I can give you kind of the, the overview. 
it was around 30 where I just, I really felt like I hit a wall. Um, and then started learning a lot of these things about like, like it really got me into self-development and really learning about myself. And pretty, pretty soon after that hitting that, that wall, I felt like I was really riding a high, right? I was really learning about myself, really feeling like I was, I was myself. And then I got herpes. And, and you'd be surprised to hear how many, how many people actually say pretty much that same story to me as a coach being like, yeah, I feel like I'm, I, I, I was just starting to figure it out and really starting to get success and really feeling connected. And then I got herpes and it was almost like this higher power or whatever it was, was just like kicking me in the face and like, like why, what perfect timing. And for me, it was like, it was actually perfect timing because it was almost like I was being asked to use all the tools that I had been gathering and actually apply it. Because at that point I had really hit rock bottom because I came into the whole getting an STI as shameful as, oh, this definitely means that I will never find someone who's going to love me. All of those shameful stories. And it fed into all of that shame that I had accumulated up to that point. So it was, it was the perfect storm of proving to myself, oh yeah, you're not shit. Nobody's going to love you. You are, you are that, that pitiful human being you always thought yourself as like in, in, the, in the recesses of your mind. So that launched me even, even deeper into my self-development journey. And that's where I actually ended up meeting you through, through a lot of those uh, iterations of, of AMP and, and all of those leadership, awesome, awesome leadership opportunities that we had um, to really dive into like what makes human beings tick and that there isn't this, this thing of like, okay, as a man, I need to figure out how to be this way with women as if it's like this subtle manipulation. Not, I don't believe that most guys are actually like, I'm going to set out to manipulate women or like, but that it's, it's actually easier to kind of play that learning the lines game, like the pickup lines versus, Hey, this is, this is me. Who are you without the mask? Vulnerability is, whew, <laughs> and it will always be, whew. <laughs> You're never going to reach this point of like, ah, I, now I got vulnerability figured out. Right. Right? <laughs> so that's kind of the overview, and we can dive into any, any one of those points that, that in the journey that feel, feel resonant to you. Well, I'm curious, so um, when you um, contracted herpes, were you single and dating, how did you manage, um, talking to partners about it? And then, and yeah, then I have more questions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a great place to start because as, as if the, the herpes and all of the stigma that gets carried with herpes and, and, and other STIs wasn't bad enough. I contracted herpes by my girlfriend cheating on me. So it had this whole other layer of it of oh like, my God, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was pretty bad, but, he, but here's, here's the deeper cut because initially it was just like, Oh, fuck her. Like 
it's her fault and all of that because it was easier for me to just blame her 100%, right? But, but kind of looking back on it as, as I progressed in years, like looking back on it with more and more of an objective lens, I saw that the relationship wasn't going well anyway. And I wasn't, I wasn't willing to see that. I was in denial about the relationship kind of going downhill. Not that I deserve to get herpes and deserve to get cheated on, but that it wasn't just 100% her fault, right? That it was, it, was, uh, it was much more complicated than that. But anyway, I carried that, that, that the shame of the st- and the stigma, but also the anger of like, I didn't ask for this. Like, first of all, you cheated on me. Then you gave me this incurable STI. Um, so it led to a lot of like trust issues and all of that in kind of my, you know, my journey from there on out. Yeah. And I, so there would have been the um, discovering it, breaking up with her journey. Okay. And then did you spend like a bunch of time in self-reflection before you started dating again? Like, what was it like dating oh, yeah. again? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was, um, I wouldn't, I would call that the time that I, that I spent in that self-reflection as more of like a self-imposed exile. (laughs) Like it was just, yeah, it was really like looking back on that, on that guy. It's like, I have so, so much compassion for him because it was like just so much like being like buying into that storyline hook, line and sinker and just believing all of the bullshit that's out there. Like Um, I'm bad or I'm dirty. I'm bad. I'm dirty. No one is ever going to love me. All of those things that might sound cliche, but the experience of them is just like heartbreaking because I really felt like there was no, there was no way out. There's no way out. I was definitely suicidal. Um, didn't attempt it, but it was like always with me. Of just like this, this out of like, okay, if my life is going to change this drastically in the negative, then why even be here? I actually heard for anyone else struggling with de- with with depression and suicide, I, I heard this amazing quote from Adya Shanti. He's a a, a great meditation teacher. He, someone asked him about suicide and he got the best answer. He said, a lot of people shy away from talking about suicide, but I like to look look at it in terms of asking the question, what part of you wants to die? That it's not your, it's not yourself. Like it's not your heart. And that, that part of you that wants to connect and love that wants to die. It's something else that wants to take this easy way out and just get out of this feeling of pain, right? And when I could start to recognize that, that it was like, it was this part of myself that was like, was just ready to like move into my past and like move on to kind of the, kind of the man 2.0, that it was like, that it was like demanding of me, that my life was demanding of me at that time. That's fascinating. So when you were like going through the self-imposed exile, (laughs) um, was it really 
you know, you mentioned the fear of like, I will never be loved. Like that, that feels like, like central. Was that your experience of like, I'm never going to get what I actually want. I really want to be loved. I'm like, this is just, I'm, it's never going to happen for me. Was that the main source of, um, angst? I don't know what the word is like pain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was the, like the, I will never be loved belief. It was like, now it had something to grab onto. It felt like, right. Whereas before it was like this question of like, will I ever be loved? I don't know. And depending on the day, it might be a yes or no. But now it was like, it had something to sink its teeth into. Like as if, as if that, that I will never be loved was almost like a, a facet of my being like, Oh, now I get to be fed by something called herpes. Like that's the reason that it's not going to happen. And little did I know that like, that was, it was, that was the turning point of actually recognizing like, wait, because the, the belief that, that I'm going to somehow have to settle in order to not, maybe I'm not going to be loved, but in order to be in a relationship that's sexual and all of that, I'm, I'm going to at least have to settle. Right. And I hear this a lot from my clients too, of like, well, now that I got herpes, like I'm not going to find the man of my dreams or the woman of my dreams. Wow. That's interesting. Can you say have to put that? up. I'm going to have to put up with, with someone who is, who was looking for someone who was more or less perfect, but now I'm like, I'm somehow, I'm, I'm not definitely not perfect, but like, what's that phrase? I mean, it's, it's eluding me now, but like not rotten fruit, but like, yeah, like bruised fruit or something. It's like, you go through the vegetable aisle and you're like, ah, oh, this Yes, this apple has a nice, but no, now I, I have like bruised, like brown. Oh, I'm not, I'm no longer desirable. Mm. So I'm going to have to settle for someone who's like, ah, I'll take you, right? You got this thing called herpes, which is horrible. So ugh, I'm kind of desperate. So I'll take you. That kind of a thing. But ironically, it, it's like, and, and when I try to impress this upon people, it initially, and this is the same kind of a response that I get when people first hear herpes opportunity. It's like, come on. And, and it's very extreme. It's like, fuck you. Like opportunity, really? Oh my God, are you fucking kidding me? And it's because like the opportunity here and what, what the turning point for me was is that the woman that I always wanted, the relationship that I always wanted was the kind of woman who, who, yeah, would see herpes and maybe she wouldn't be like, well, yeah, give me herpes, but she would see herpes and she wouldn't see herpes. She wouldn't see the dirty. She wouldn't see the stigma. She wouldn't see the story. She would see, oh, he's another human being just like me. Maybe I don't have herpes, but I know what hurting feels like. I know what shame feels like. I'm a human being. Like, we're not uniquely broken. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's what shame proves. Like, that's what shame tries to prove to us. You are uniquely broken. No one else is like you, right? Yeah. It's this, like, it's the opposite of the snowflake. <laughs> it's like the yeah. negative snowflake. <laughs> and... 
so so by by recognizing that it was like this call to depth in me that it was like the whole fear of rejection took on a whole new just a whole new perspective for me because it became less about me being afraid of revealing this shame and more about me revealing my authenticity and who I was and my vulnerability. Right. And that was the opportunity to be like, yeah, there's this thing that, that there, there's a lot of stigma in society about, but yes, I have a lot of personal shame about, and it cuts close and it's close to my heart here. And I want to reveal that to you. And whether she says yes or no doesn't determine my quote unquote success with disclosing to a partner. This is another thing I talk to people a lot of like, people are like, well, what does it take to be successful? I want to be successful. And what they mean by that is how can I disclose to someone so that they will accept me? Yeah. How do I, how do I say it so that they'll say yes? Right. And isn't that also kind of a subtle manipulation, right? Oh, well, you can say it this way. And then maybe they'll, you know, take it this way. And it's like, no, like, just be yourself. And the right person who is right for you is going to resonate with you being yourself. They're not, it's not so much the words. It's the feeling of it. It's the, what does it feel like to be with this person when they reveal something from their depth? Yeah. And what was that like for you when you started? So you, you're coming out of the self-imposed exile and you're starting to date. Um, what was that like for you? How did you learn how to do it? Or It was a dumpster fire to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, <clears throat> do, when you uh, say that, does that mean like you meet someone at the club and you're like, and you're just like yelling over the music. Like, I have herpes. Is that okay? <laughs> no, like, no. is that what dumpster fire? No, but I mean, it, but, but got to remember, this was part of a continuum for me where I never felt like I was quote unquote good with women to begin with. So it was like, okay, so now I have this added layer. So it's like, I'm, I'm working with my own awkwardness around women to begin with. And then oh, by the way, I have herpes and how to even integrate both of those things when they both felt so unwieldy to me. And so it started off with just like, first of all, me just getting back out into the social scene, not even thinking about dating or whatever, but just like hanging out with friends and, and seeing all of these triggers, even as I was out in the world of like, whenever I would see a couple together, it would just trigger this immense shame in me because obviously seeing that couple would mean, well, that's, that is what I'm not going to have. And it was like anyone who was even together holding hands, but Oh my God, God forbid, they're actually enjoying each other's company and gazing into each other's eyes. I'm like, fuck you for rubbing (laughs) it in my face. So I had to get over that first, just kind of being out in public even, because it was just, the shame went so deep. But when I first started to like actually date again, it was like I I needed to just say the words. And it was, the metaphor I always use is kind of like, whenever I would disclose initially, it was like I was behind a big brick wall throwing a hand grenade over it and then covering my ears and like hiding. And like waiting for the explosion. 
right? I mean, it was that intense. Like, it was just like, oh God, I, I'm just, I'm expecting rejection. So I'm, I might as well get this over with kind of a thing. And I remember one time I wasn't even into this woman and the date wasn't even really going well at all. But I was like, well, I got to practice somehow. So I just kind of like cold heartedly was just like, by the way, I have herpes. So, you know. So. And of course she's like, uh, no, thanks. I'm like, yeah, okay. All right. And then the date ended. And did I remember the part where I wasn't actually really into her to begin with? And it wasn't a good connection with both of us. No, all I remembered was she rejected me. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And it was like, and I didn't see the part of it where I, it was this self-fulfilling prophecy that was like playing out right before my eyes. And I wasn't seeing it because I was in it. But it's so clear looking back on it now, it was just like, I'm expecting rejection. So here's a, here's a reason to reject me. And I'm going to say it as callously as possible because I'm not going to be vulnerable with you because you're going to reject me. So why would I be vulnerable? Here's, here's why you can re- reject me. Oh, you rejected me? Okay, thank you. Move on. <laughs> right? Like, thank you for fulfilling my prophecy. <laughs> now I'm going to move on with my life and get rejected the next time. Okay, so what happened after the dumpster fire? <laughs> Um, so, so in this, this is where the, the timelines get to kind of come together around. This is, this is when I started feeling like pickup is the only way to do it because like I have herpes. I need to like have this extra thing where I'm, I'm the alpha or I'm the guy who's like most charismatic. I'm like, I have to, I have to build myself up way higher than I would normally be on this, in this aspect of my life. So that when I do reveal that I have herpes, it'll hopefully level out. Like balancing it out. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and so of course that just like, it didn't work. It didn't work. (laughs) Um, really, I can't imagine that not working. I probably just wasn't saying the right pickup lines now thinking back. Um, <laughs> if I, if I would have had a friend like you and that you could have given me better pickup lines, I'm sure. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was, I'm laughing about it now, but I mean, it was, it was a long road. Not, not to even mention that like the self-imposed ha- exile, whenever you're in one of those like states of deep depression and contemplating suicide, it takes so much to get you out of it that once you're out of it and you're in the world, everything that might even be taken as a partial rejection, if you're in a good place, is a hundred times worse, right? So it was like the courage that it would take to just get out there again and be like, all right, I'm going on this date. I have no fucking idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to do this. And I have faith in myself. And then, and then, you know, it wouldn't work. And you have to get back on the horse again somehow. So it takes this like, this irrational hope sometimes. So it's like, no, I'm going to do it again. And um, that's when I, that's when I stumbled into uh, the authentic man program and and how you and I met. Um, And that just the concept of authenticity, it's thrown around a lot these days, but like, it's beautiful because it's kind of the antidote to shame. It's like, okay, 
yeah, I, I got this thing. It's called herpes or it's called this. It's called that. Whatever the name is, the whatever produces my shame. Okay, yeah, this is me. And, and I accept myself with it. That's wholeness. The distinction between like confidence versus wholeness, or there's probably a better, better word than confidence, but it's kind of that juxtaposition between like the, the mask of perfection of like, Hey, I'm on a date with you. And I am, it's basically a job interview. Cause I'm like, Hey, look at how amazing I am. Look at my resume. I got all this stuff going for me. It's glitz. It's glamor. Um, and then the wholeness is like, but, but that mask is like hiding the stuff behind it as if, if I reveal this stuff, I'm going to be less than, but the antithesis of that is like being authentic and actually being able to reveal everything from a place of self-acceptance, whether it's shameful or you're proud of it or whatever. Um, and is that what you learn to do with partners? Like what, you know, yes. after you yeah. got, okay. So like after you um, like did the authentic man program, it became a leader there and were really in the personal development world. Um, how did that like shift you actually talking to partners about it? Like, I'm, I'm curious to know, like, you know, you mentioned bringing it up on the first date. Like, what did you come to in terms of how do I do this authentically? And, you know, looking into someone's eyes and connecting rather than like lobbing the grenade over the wall, like, you know, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, the, the differences were, were, were night and day between my disclosures before and after. Um, because I, in those disclosures, first of all, I was realizing that like my vulnerability is something to be treasured, both for me and for whoever I'm with. And if I don't trust them with my vulnerability, then I'm not going to feel comfortable disclosing to them, which then leads to, I probably shouldn't want to be in relationship with them. Right. It's like this, it sounds very obvious when you say it like that, but so many people, it's like the shame tells you, well, you need to disclose as soon as possible. And, and, but don't disclose until you feel like, okay, I can trust this person with my vulnerability. And of course that also means don't have sex before then too, but like, that's what, that's where this actually, it, it, it can be an opportunity to slow things down in a good way that our culture kind of tends to speed up, right? Like if we're not sleeping together. By the second for men. Oh it's, yeah. Because I think men especially are trained to like have sex right away and fuck as many women as you can. And like, that's not actually healthy for most people. I would argue like, sure. Maybe there are some people for whom that works, but most people that I work with, that doesn't work for them. Yeah. And yeah. they feel like it should because they're a man. And it's like, that's not, that's not yeah. actually healthy. Like that's, that's kind of toxic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, da- it's da- putting the cart before the horse. <laughs> it's like when you put sex and intimacy before vulnerability, well, I wouldn't even say intimacy. It's like when you put sex before vulnerability, then it's like, and I was, I'm not, I'm not talking down from a high horse here. I was that way of like, 
somehow believing that sex would be the doorway into then becoming more like more deeply connected. Um, but just setting this scene of like disclosure as opportunity. It's like when you can put it in its, in the order of, okay, I meet you. We go out a few times, we're having fun. But then even after having fun, we also are starting to have some deeper conversations and this feels real. And then from there, I feel like I can trust you. Okay, I'm, I'm going to disclose this thing. And I share with you, that opens up the door to you sharing with me. Like, whether you have herpes or not, it's like, you're going to share whatever might be shameful for you. And it's not a bad thing. This creates connection, right? And from there, you have this, like, intense trust with each other. You have this shared this shared connection. And from there, you can start to like move into intimacy and then sex, right? And then sex gets to be mind blowing because you're connected first, right? And maybe it sounds old school to say it like that. of like, well, you gotta, you know. Well, what's interesting about it is that you, you know, you talk about it as an opportunity and it is because most people aren't, there's a way that I feel like if you're going to be honest and authentic about disclosing something like this, it forces a certain amount of vulnerability that the rest of that, that other people can just skip. They don't have to do that. So it is an opportunity because it's like you said, it's like testing the trust and the bond and the other person's ability to hold space faster than most people do that. And that's, that is an opportunity because like you said, it's not really about, are they going to say yes? Are they going to say no? It's like, how are they going to treat my heart? Yes. Like you get to see right away, like, how does this person treat my heart? How does this person hold space around shame? How does this person like be present with me and also have questions of their own, like not abandon themselves. Like you get to see so many things about the person and your connection with that person that other people can just skip right through. Like they don't have to do it. So it is an opportunity. It is, it is. I think it's like, okay, let's see what's really here. And can you hang with this or not? And like, it's actually cool if you can't, I just, need to know that because this is me like this mm-hmm. is this is what's going on and I'm curious you know since you were out there dating like what were the range of responses that you got or did you find that you had because you'd done this personal growth work maybe you were attracting a different kind of woman after that it was it was definitely that last thing you just said um which makes sense not just from like a Uh, you know, if you're kind of more on the woo woo spectrum of like believing that, you know, the universe is bringing to you what you're, you know, magnetizing. But I think even just like from a psychological perspective too, when you actually shift your perspective on what you deserve or like who you are and you're less like bound up in these old stories and you're more just like available, 
then you actually see more. You actually recognize more. It's like I, it's like I almost had this spidey sense with people. Uh, and it was less about approaching women and more about, huh, male or female, you're, you intrigue me. There's something about you that like intrigues me. Who are you? <laughs> and getting to know them, <laughs> which was such a foreign concept to me, you know, before, you know, especially in like the pickup days or whatever, it was like, like looking, looking at women as objects as opposed to we're all human beings here. Sure. Or like, <clears throat> like evaluating like, oh, is she an eight? Is she a 10 versus like following the energy? which is, I don't yes. know exactly why, but I'm drawn to this person. Yeah. And that's vulnerable, right? Like that's, that's us being vulnerable to ourselves is another way to look at it. When we're open to our own feelings of like, Oh, I feel turned on when I see this woman, what's up with that? Or, Oh, I don't like, for some reason, I don't feel like I want to go close to that guy or whatever that that means us being open to our own emotions, which is huge. Um, but I, I, just as a, as a quick story, the, the way that I disclosed to my wife, it was like, was just so beautiful because before then I had had a, like a few really amazing experiences of, this is, this is to your question about what are the range of responses that I got. Because before my wife, I was even the, the rejections that I got, the vast majority of, of the time, it was still like, but I still want to be friends. And it wasn't just like a, no, I don't want to be with you, but I, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be friends and like put you in the friend zone. It was like, even though this isn't like sexual, like I, wanna, I want you to still be in my life. Because so I that, admire you. I admire that you were brave and told me and were honest and stuck with yourself while you did it because yeah. I'm imagining those weren't grenade disclosures this right. was I figured out how to you know yeah. connect and talk about it yeah and it, it's similar to like when, when people are deep in shame and they come to me and they're like but how can that be a, a connecting experience to share something that you have shame around and, and it's similar to you know how people always say, well, I don't want to share this with my friends because it's going to burden them. But from your friend's perspective, when you, someone that they care about, come to them and say, hey, can I talk to you about something? Like, like my mom is sick and she's dying and I don't really have a lot of people that I want to talk to about this. Like, can you talk to me about it? Does that feel like a burden or does that feel like heart opening and is it an honor like wow this person trusts me with something that they're not just going to stand at a bus stop and talk to people about right? it's along those same lines that it can be a connecting experience to just trust people with your vulnerability in that way so i had had a, uh, quite quite a few of those experiences of like disclosure being an opportunity um, and then I met this woman who is now my wife and we had a pretty long courtship. Um, I think it was, she's much better with timelines than I am, I am but a few months. Um, and obviously we 
weren't having sex or anything. But one day I realized, you know what, this is the day that I want to disclose. Cause it was, it was the slow burn of like getting to know each other. And I actually, this was the turning point where I'm like, I was actually feeling excited. And, and how I knew it was the turning point is because it wasn't this thing of like, oh, now I need to disclose, oh shit, waiting for rejection or whatever. It was like the, the label in my psyche got changed from shame into opportunity. It got, it got changed into like from fear into excitement that I was, that my heart was still racing and I was nervous, but it was like, I get to, I get to have this connection with this woman that I'm really, really starting to fall for and really appreciate. And that conversation, I made it almost like a date. Like we went down to like this beautiful Creek and it was this beautiful day. The sun was shining through the leaves and everything. And, and I disclosed to her and she, she laughed and she was like, well, I actually already knew because I Googled your name and, you know, I was already doing HOP at that, at that time. Cause it's been like over a decade that I've been doing it. And she was like, I Googled you. I was just waiting to see how you were going to disclose to me. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I do have a pretty unique name. And of course you're going to Google me because that's what people do these days. Um, but that, that opened up the door for her to then, you know, say, thank you for disclosing. Here's, here's some stuff that I, that I want to tell you about. Here's some stuff from my past that I have some shame around. And so it was just this, like, it, you could actually viscerally feel our relationship like going deeper and just like, okay, we're in the basement now. Like, like this is, this is where the realness happens. And we're a team. Right. Like we're on the same, the same team. Yeah. And I feel like experience of, I trust you, you trust me. Yeah. I'm holding your vulnerability. Yeah. Like you said, and I really appreciate what you said too, of, you know, being discerning about who, you do disclose to, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean like every single person you go on a first date with, like you have to disclose right away. Like, no, this is your, like you said, this is your vulnerability. You don't have to disclose to everyone. If you're going to have sex with them, you do. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Like if yes. when safe, physical safety is on the line, yes, of course you do, but that's different than, because you can not have sex with them. Yes. <laughs> you know, you can do other stuff. and. I think that that's um, that discernment of like, who do I trust with my vulnerability? That's kind of like, to me, that's healthy boundaries. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the unhealthy boundaries are, I don't trust anyone or I just trust everyone. And that's not, that's not it. Like it's a, it's a case by case basis, but also it can be a moment by moment basis of like listening to yourself and listening to what, you, what it is that you need. And especially, I mean, you told me at the beginning that most of your audience is men. I mean, especially for men to like be able to drop into this space of like listening to your heart. And for many men, when you say that, it's kind of like, oh God, heart, uh, blah, blah, blah. This is getting woo woo or whatever. But it's a hidden superpower that's right, right here in the center of your chest. <laughs> Just like to drop in and 
and and to 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 use that as like the the opportunity to to really get to know the person in front of you is like whether you have herpes or not <laughs> i'm just talking in general just like being able to listen to yourself and and share from your heart it sounds so cliche and simple but it's like it's like an atom bomb of connection. Yeah. And I'm wondering when you, um, because you coach people now and you mentioned HOP, which is, how would you describe that? Um, Herpes opportunity is something that I started to blog about for my own healing journey so that I could heal. And then it turned into something that people started reading and, and, and then I started offering workshops where people would fly in from all over the world and we would have like a two and a half day workshop in North Carolina and basically go through these, these interpersonal um, experiences to bring you from a place of walking in the door with shame into having an experience of using that shame as leverage into self-acceptance and wholeness. Um, and of course, with that, I, I started coaching people too. So it's, it's become a, a worldwide community of people supporting one another and, and really choosing to see this as an opportunity. And from there, what is possible? And when you, um, when you are coaching people, like one thing that... Um, I have my attention on is so like when you're actually having the conversation, like let's say that there's a guy out there listening who does have herpes and doesn't really know how to tell a partner about it, a new newish partner. Um, what kind of guidelines do you give in terms of the actual words to say? Mm-hmm. And then kind of like how to hold space for the other person, because, you know, you kind of have to do it. You have to hold space for yourself in that conversation and, the other person. Cause like mm-hmm. they're probably going to have questions and, you know, maybe they're going to be scared. Like, you know, <clears throat> like we were talking about before, you can't control how someone else is going to respond. Right. So how do you coach people around that? Yeah. So I actually try to stay away from giving them the actual script and more lean toward, um, the perspective of when you're walking into the the disclosure conversation of course checking that box of do i trust this person with my vulnerability once that box is checked you get to see this from the perspective of leadership and vulnerability right um not not leadership in the sense of i'm going to show you how to be vulnerable but leadership in i'm going to i'm going to go first i'm willing to go first yeah, yeah. and and like you said, holding space for the, the, the questions and holding space for whatever, whatever might arise is, it's almost a spiritual practice. Right? I, I, almost, I almost hesitate to say that because it's like, really disclosure, like disclosing herpes, but anything where there's a lot of intensity and it feels like your ego and your heart is on the line. And anytime you're in that kind of situation and you can breathe and you can be present and 
like you can be with all of the like the hurricane of feelings and thoughts that might be just spinning around you that is like building a muscle that will serve you for your whole life right so from that vantage point when you're in a disclosure conversation and you're saying you know what i'm i'm actually looking forward to the opportunity of like revealing myself but also getting to know her more deeply and that success means that I, I disclosed from a place of vulnerability instead of dropping a bomb and running away. That success, whether I, I get accepted or rejected is just doing it, right? And from there, the words can, can flow, right? It's, I, I'm, I really, like, I really want to, to underline that like, yeah, you know, read the, the facts, like get to know all of the facts that, that you, you were probably going to be asked and you, that you want to share. Um, but that it's not a stump speech. It's a reveal. And then, and what do you think about that? What do you know about it? Do you have any questions? Yeah. Like a lot of people get stuck in, okay, I have a four sentence thing that I need to say. And then at the end of it, uh, I'm going to keep talking because I'm a little nervous. And it's like, just, you know, open up the, the conversation, create that, that, that safety of saying, Hey, like, let's, let's talk about something real. You know, are you available to, to have a chat, you know? And then from there, you know, sharing about your relationship and what you appreciate about them. And then from there you say, I have herpes. And then you ask, what do you know about it? Right? And from there, it's a back and forth. It's a, it's a, it's a sharing. Um, another thing I want to say about the perspective of the disclosure is when you go into it, it is a, um, oh, I might've just lost my train of thought. What is it? Oh, I really wanted to hear what it was. Oh, oh man. The perspective. Well, let me, let me I'll <laughs> you get it, but I'm curious because you do coach a lot of people and you've seen, you've seen a lot of people through your workshops and through your work. Have you noticed that they've kind of had totally different experiences of disclosure after doing one of the workshops or being involved in the community? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. Cause I mean, I, I'm still Facebook friends with a lot of the people who go through the, the workshop um, and to, to see, it, it's just funny, like seeing all of the, the, you know, marriage proposals, like rolling in. I'm not saying that like the HOP weekend was the reason for that, but just like seeing the transformation from just a person who believes that there is no hope into being married or having a deep relationship. Uh, it's why I do the work that I do. Um, so yes, there is that like the shift that happens when you choose a different story and you own that story and that story involves forgiving yourself and accepting yourself as you are, then everything changes. And when you get connected to other, other people, like you said, like, I think, I yeah. feel like that to me, if I imagine going to HOP, it's like, wow, I get to be around other people with herpes so that I'm in a safe environment where I already feel kind of accepted and I feel gotten 
And then from there, you know, like the safe pond before going back out into the world, like that's so yeah. uh, valuable and such a, I don't know, like a platform to kind of be able to go connect with other people. Yeah. Like I feel like that's such a gift that you've given the world is that connection with other people and that community that you've built and that has been created around you is I mean, it's a total game changer, a complete game changer for someone like you, you were describing who's an, who's an exile, self-imposed exile. Like that's basically hell. I mean, that is basically solitary confinement, not out, not in a prison. It's just, you're just in hell, just like existing in hell and then to help, you know, kind of create an environment where those people can come and not be in hell anymore. I mean, I would imagine, yeah, a lot of intensity at those the, those retreats and everything. Um, and I'm wondering like, how can people work with you or get involved if they themselves are in this situation or if they know someone and then do people with other STIs are, are they also welcome? How does that work? Yeah. So the, I actually set up a, a landing page for your listeners specifically where you can get uh, access to the, the ebook that I wrote that's basically like a primer on how to start to switch your perspective around disclosure. Um, And also you can download uh, a few fact sheets that just break down all of the facts. Um, Like, you know, how many people have it? You know, what's the risk? You know, whether you're a man or a woman, having sex with a man or having sex with a woman, all of that stuff is broken down, plus a whole lot of other links that are going to be helpful. And that, that URL is herpesopportunity.com slash dear men, all one word. So herpesopportunity.com slash dear men. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And um, are, are you still running the actual in-person workshops or, um, and are other people, does anyone show up that has a different STI? Oh yeah, right. Um, no, no, this is, this tends to be, focused on, on herpes. I have coached people before with different STIs. Um, but it, it does tend to be mostly the herpes population that comes to me. Uh, I'm open to coaching anyone around shame in general, because it all ties into the same core stuff. Right. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm wide open. I love to help however I can. That's awesome. And I love that your um, that your wife, I just think that is that is like basically the best story you could possibly tell is like, she already knew, like yeah. she already knew and was like, yeah. Cause I, I, I just want to throw this out there. Um, you know, for me, like, you know, to me, who, who the man is and how he shows up is so much vastly more important than when, he, whether he has an infection, whether it's an STI or another infection, it's sort of yeah. like, it's not, not important, but it's like, you're so much, it's so much more important who he is. And then it's sort of like, this is a thing that like needs to be managed. Okay, sure. Whatever. There are things in life that need to be managed. It's not that big of a deal. Exactly. It's like, I can totally imagine being that woman and like sitting by the Creek and being like, I already knew this like five (laughs) weeks ago, but like, you're really cool. Like you're really amazing. We have a great connection. It's rare to find that in life. I'm really interested, you know, we'll figure out the sex. Like, I don't know. We'll, I don't know how that works exactly, but like, 
we can totally yeah. figure that out. And yeah, like, that's all secondary to the Yeah. It's secondary. It's secondary. It's like, I've been looking like I'm leaving her partner and I'm like, that's so much more important. <laughs> like finding yeah. a partner is so much more important to me than like how we manage this one thing. Yeah. Yeah. One of the taglines I, I used for a while is um, who you are is more important than what you have. And that pretty much applies to not just herpes, but anything. Okay. You got a Lexus. Okay, great. But like, who are you yeah. with that Lexus? Right. It's like. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Like yeah. I would much rather be. Yeah. That's, that's very well said. It, it's so rare to me to find like a man who can really be present and drop in and is connected to sexuality and all these things. And if I found that guy and then he happened to have herpes or anything else, I'd be like, okay, whatever, we'll figure it out. Like that's not that important compared to this, who you are, who you've cultivated yourself to be. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's, and that's where this expands out beyond herpes into everything else, like any challenge that we have in our lives. And this is true of all the heroes that you've ever heard stories of in your whole life, where it's like, they, they have a challenge and they meet that challenge and they grow from it and they become a better version of themselves before that. It's the classic hero's journey. This can also be that for anyone out there struggling, right? This can like, the harder it is, the more growth and the more resiliency and the, like the stronger you will become after, after the fact, right? I love and, that. And the more tools yeah. that it will give you for everything else in your life. Including your relationship, yeah, right? Like I would imagine being able to lead with vulnerability has served you in your marriage in a way that you might not have had before. Yeah, and, and the journey continues for sure. I'm, I mean, this goes without saying, but obviously I'm not perfect. Like I, I once had this idea of coaches as like on a pedestal because I put them there and I'm a coach because I want to continue learning and, and growing and realizing the things that I coach about <laughs> because we all need to be reminded as much as possible. And when I can serve other people in that way, it also serves me. It serves everyone. Um, so in my current relationship, yeah, we're going through our stuff just like any relationship. It's not perfect. It's, it's, it's not the white picket fences and no relationship ever is. Yeah. But when I can, when I can continue to see challenge as opportunity and pain as opportunity for connection and even disconnection in a partnership, like a marriage as an opportunity to like dig deeper and say, I, yeah, I'm here. Right. That's everything. Oh, I love that. Okay. So we're going to, um, we're going to start to wrap. So let's say that URL again, it's herpesopportunity.com slash dear men. Yeah. .com. Okay. .com slash dear men. Um, and we'll put it in the show notes as well. Thank you for putting that together. And, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much covered it. Is there any last, um, any last words of wisdom you would give to either, a man or a woman who is going through sort of the beginning stages of like, they haven't figured it out yet. They maybe just found out that they have an STI like herpes. Yes. There is one thing that I would say that 
is supremely helpful to to enact is to realize that it is a process and that especially if you hear a podcast like this and then you're presented with, oh, well, there's the answer. There's this subtle way that you can also judge yourself for still going through the process and not just jumping right to the embodied experience of, okay, what I heard on that podcast is me right now. And let yourself fumble fuck your way through it. Like let yourself like fall off the horse, whatever that phrase is, 72 times, get on the horse 73 times. Like just keep going. When you hear something that feels like it resonates as truth, hold that as your North star, not as your expectation of where you need to be right now or tomorrow. That's a great point. I, part of what I hear in that is like, let yourself grieve. Yeah. Because there's some grief and that doesn't go away in a day. It's, it's like a, you have to go through it. There's no skipping. This yeah. Step. There's the, there's your mental, there's the, the psychological aspect of it. And then there's the embodied aspect. The embodied aspect takes longer to process. You can get to it in your head really quick and just be like, Oh, I'm here. But in the meantime, your body is like, but I'm fucking broken, aren't I? And you just, you just need to let that flower blossom in its own time. Mm, love that. Yeah. Thank you, Adriel. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Just again, a quick note. If you're interested in the course, you can find it at pleaseherinbed.com, www.pleaseherinbed.com or at my site, melaniecurtain.com under courses and have a very sexy day. <laughs>